One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast, the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes. My name is Emma Mumford and I'm your host. I'm the UK's leading law of attraction expert, award-winning life coach, two times best-selling author, manifestation YouTuber, speaker, and badass spiritual queen. I'm here to help you awaken and turn your dream life into an abundant reality and help you create your positively wealthy life full of happiness, abundance, and joy. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey gorgeous souls and welcome back to another one of my Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast episodes. Thank you so, so much for joining me today for another one of my episodes. And today I wanted to do everything you need to know about meditation because I get so many questions about this of, Emma, what happens if I can't see this? Emma, what happens if this happens? And I feel like there's so many fantastic questions that I get asked each and every week on my Instagram Q&A, on my YouTube channel, in my Law of Attraction support group. So I feel like it was time to do a everything you need to know about meditation episode whilst answering some of your incredible questions that you submit to me. So I hope this is gonna be a deeply enriching episode for you that's gonna answer your questions and give you more information, tools, and knowledge around meditation and how it can help and support you, how it can help us manifest. And most importantly, what if it's not feeling great straight away? How can we overcome those blocks or how can we overcome, you know, anything that may arise within meditation? So let's start off with the basics then. So meditation is an incredible practice which helps to center us. It helps us to relax. There are so many benefits to meditation, even from a non-spiritual perspective where it helps to regulate our nervous system. It helps, there's so many health benefits to meditation, whether that's mental health and emotional well-being benefits, whether that's to relax yourself, learn how to relax. I know a lot of people who have gone to the same therapist that I have. And although I'm there doing like deep EMDR cognitive work with them, they've just been doing meditation with some of these people because for them, that's what they feel comfortable with and they don't necessarily resonate with some of the deeper practices like I do, for example. So meditation is definitely something that I was taught about years and years ago through Buddhist teachings, through Buddhist books that I used to read in my teenage years. It's so strange that I felt so drawn to the Buddhist way and Buddhist teachings. And I still really am actually, 
actually, I still really love reading those books and connecting with those teachings because I feel like there's just so much we can learn from the Buddhist culture um, and so much wisdom within there. So meditation really came into my life around 16 years old um, when I was in a very dark place in my life. I felt very lost, very isolated, very confused about who I was, about, you know, who I was going into the world as. And, you know, I was at school doing my GCSEs, going, you know, just about to start my A-levels. Um, and there were a lot of things happening in my life at that time. So I feel like meditation found me at a time where I needed it. And it was just such a beautiful, relaxing practice for me. I wasn't spiritual at that time. I had no knowledge of the law of attraction, um, no knowledge of anything really. <laughs> um, I was more of, it was more of a case of just wanting to explore that and feeling called to that. So I remember reading my first book on meditation, on Buddhist teachings, and just sitting every single day in silence, in a meditation practice. And a lot of the time with Buddhist meditation teachings, it's very much just sitting there and sitting with your thoughts and sitting with your breath. Obviously the meditations that I teach and share now are very, very different and very, very like up level to what I was doing, um, you know, at 16 years old. So I wasn't visualizing anything. I didn't really know what to expect. And again, in this book I was reading in a lot of the Buddhist teachings, it is all about sitting in that darkness, sitting still, listening to the breath. There isn't really an outcome or a visual that you should be seeing at that point. So I wasn't really, I guess, aware that that's what meditation was, that you, you know, can start to see visuals and can start to have deeply spiritual experiences. And then obviously when I started therapy, you know, traditional counseling, I think I was around 18, 19 at that point, um, maybe even 20, I, you know, in my hypnotherapy sessions that I was having, you know, they were teaching me to meditate. So meditation was definitely there, even from a very like mainstream side of things with therapy and reading books, etc. But I wasn't really taking it to a spiritual practice or even aware that you could evolve it really. So when it really started to deepen for me was probably about six months in. So I was meditating pretty much, I would say every day. Now it was a long time ago. We're talking like 16 years ago. Have I done my maths right? I'm 30 this year. No, 14 years ago. <laughs> I don't know why I said 16 then. 14 years ago when I was doing this. Um, you know, for six, I would, I believe it was around six to eight months, I want to say. I remember six very clearly. So I feel like it was six to eight months. I was meditating, I would say most days, and there wasn't really like a strict kind of like, I must meditate for 20 minutes a day. Like I was just doing what the hell I wanted. I was messing around with it, trying it. Um, and I just used to sit there, you know, focusing on my breath, calming my thoughts, all of these teachings that were in this Buddhist book. And then about six months in, maybe eight, whatever it was, I then started to see things. And I started to see very, very clearly this field. And I was like, oh, this is nice. Like, you know, you're just like, oh, okay, this is different. So I remember just like going into this field every time I would meditate, every time that I would, you know, go into this meditation state. And again, the field would be there. And at first the field was very comforting. It was just, you know, nice, pretty, kind of something to do, you know. 
And then over time, people started appearing in that field. And again, at this time of my life, I was not spiritual. I was not tapped into that. Well, not that I thought I was. I was, you know, experiencing depression, anxiety. So this was, you know, where my mindset was. It was not where it is today. It was not aware of spiritual law of attraction practices. And I started seeing two little girls, which I talk about in my first book, Spiritual Queen. And I find this so, so ironic because my goddaughters, Faith and Bella, look exactly like these two girls. And I always said to Selena, because one of the girls was called Ella, I thought, you know, we we joked about this and said, oh my God, it's Bella. And as soon as Bella um, was conceived, so when Selena was pregnant with Bella, my goddaughter in 2016, um, I never saw Ella ever again in my meditations. And it was creepy when we correlated when Selena got pregnant because we weren't actually in the same area at that point. So we weren't actually communicating that regularly. When we worked out to when I'd stopped seeing her and when Selena got pregnant, it was the same month. And we were like, oh, this is creepy. So I believe obviously all these years later, having not had any children myself yet, I do believe that I have absolutely communicated with my spirit children over the years. Um, But it's really interesting how my two goddaughters and they're the same age difference as how they appeared to me. Um, I do really believe the girls I was seeing were my lovely goddaughters who then came into my life many, many years later and I had absolutely no idea. So I feel like that's such a special, yeah, like a special connection and interaction. And like Bella is so switched on. She is so spiritual. Like we have, she has just said the most craziest, creepiest stuff over the years. And me and Selena are sat there like, oh my God, <laughs> what is your child? She's like this spiritual prodigy. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's fantastic to see it. It's so lovely. So it just feels really nice. Um, to know that I had that spiritual connection. But again, I was not setting that intention. I was not going into these meditation practices. Like I want to connect to my future God kids. I wasn't like, you know, nothing like that. I had no idea who these girls were. They were just there. They would talk to me, give me hugs. And I was like, this is so weird. I meant to be just breathing and thinking and you know now all these trippy things are happening but for me it was a great escapism and I think the reason why I love to explore that and explore the visuals and those interactions and the field was because it was a great escapism from the reality I was in and it was so weird over the years like obviously I disconnected from all of that for a while then probably about 20 years old, 21 years old, I then started meditating again. And every single time I would go into this meditation, those girls were still there. They were the same age. It was as clear as it was before. It was as vivid as it was before. It felt as loving and nurturing as it did before. And it feels so mad to almost talk about that period in my life right now. One, because it was so long ago, but secondly, because it's so wild to think, oh my gosh, like, I was so switched on, I was so intuitive, I was so picking up on so much at that time and had absolutely no idea. And I think when I share this story and when I, you know, you listen to my meditations on YouTube or in the membership or in my courses, whatever, um, you know, I think a lot of people feel a bit disheartened when they don't automatically have that vivid experience or they're like, well, why can't I talk to my spirit children or why can't I speak to my future God kids? And again, there was no intention of me doing that. I didn't know you could do that. I had no idea that is what I was doing until, you know, the children were born and they were in my life. Like I had no idea what was happening. I thought I was just having this wild experience. I was just tripping balls. And, you know, it was just random to me and it was comforting. So I kept doing it. 
And the one thing that I found was the more that I dedicated myself to this practice, as much as I didn't see it as a practice, I saw it as a comfort and escapism, but the more I did it, the more stronger it became and the more focused I could become and intuitive as well, for sure. And I know that I've been extremely intuitive my whole life, but um, we always joke that I'm a bit of a spirit baby whisperer because I seem to be able to predict people's babies. Like I can't predict the lottery numbers, you know, nothing useful, Um, but I seem to have this stellar intuition of when people are pregnant and what, you know, what baby they're gonna have. Is it a girl, is it a boy? I don't know why, Uh, it's so random. But especially, you know, connecting to my God kids before they were in my life felt so magical because it was just really you know it made total sense why I had this intuition that just really connected to children and babies um and sometimes it could be so clear I remember my friend Amy D who's been on this podcast when she was pregnant and I knew she was pregnant before she even told me um and I waited for her to tell me obviously and I was like oh you've got this beautiful boy coming oh my gosh and I could just see his face so vividly and she was so mad because she wanted a girl and she was like you and my mum are so convinced I'm having a boy you're all wrong and like she was like adamant we were all wrong and I was I kept saying to Hannah I was like it is a boy she was like I know it is so and it was a boy. She was like, Emma, like, how did you know? She said, like, you and my mum were the only people who knew it was a boy. Everybody else said it was going to be a girl and were convinced. And I was like, I can see his face so clearly. And I really feel like this is the one baby out of everybody's babies I've connected to where I've just seen it so vividly. And I just saw this like cheeky, cheeky, chappy smile, like so grinning. Uh, oh my God, like it was so beautiful. And now to see Sky, her baby, and now as a toddler, when I saw this and see his beaming smile, it's so strange because it's exactly how I saw it. And do you want to know the creepiest part of that story? Sky was born on my birthday, the 30th of August. So we always joke how like weirdly it was so weird. But again, like this is totally off topic, but it just makes me laugh that I can have such weird intuitive hits about things. And then when it comes to like my life and trusting my intuition, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. (laughs) But babies seem to be the one thing that, uh, yeah, just it's like so clear to me sometimes with intuition. But again, my intuition was something that I built up over time. It, you know, I wasn't able to just do this, you know, 14 years ago when I was started meditating, I wasn't able even like seven years ago when I spiritually awakened fully to like, just be able to, you know, read people or have intuition or, you know, feel any of these senses, you know, when we're shut off to these things, when we're not nurturing these practices and tools, you can't expect to have this, you know, really easy and flowing relationship and connection with it if you're not nurturing it and being consistent with it. And I always say meditation is like going to the gym. You cannot expect on day one to turn up to the gym and be a pro. You cannot turn up on day one and expect to have the six pack, right? It takes time, it takes practice, it takes effort, it takes consistency, and it takes your dedication to that practice to really show up as your fullest self, to manifest the meditation experiences that you want. So I didn't go into any of these meditation practices expecting to see the things that I have or experiencing the things that I have. So I think when we go into meditation with an expectation, we are often disappointed because meditation is about 
such a divine experience that sometimes we can't predict it. Sometimes we can't go and control it. We can never control it really. We're not in control. It's our divine connection with the universe. It's, you know, opening up that crown chakra, connecting to source, connecting to mother earth, whatever the point of the meditation is. We're grounding in, we're opening up our channel to communicate with the universe. So how could we control that? And I feel like sometimes the wildest, most powerful and euphoric meditations that I've had have been completely random, completely unexpected. And yeah, like through such different points of my life as well, like completely unexpected. So my best advice would be, Don't try and control it. Don't control what you're trying to get from meditation. Allow meditation to teach you what it needs to. I feel like with meditation, you are the student and meditation is the teacher. So don't try and be the teacher and go in and be like, I'm gonna get this out of this meditation experience. Allow yourself to be the student. Allow yourself to learn whatever that meditation practice wants to gift you with each time. And there will be a new gift with every meditation. Sometimes I turn up to the mat or wherever I'm sat meditating and it's as easy as breathing and it's so visual and so amazing and so powerful. And other times when I'm like, I'm a wreck and I'm really feeling like disconnected and ungrounded, I can turn up to meditation and sometimes I see nothing. And sometimes I just have to sit and breathe. And that is a gift in itself. So meditation will always bring us so many unique and beautiful gifts, but we have to be an open channel to receive them. And control and going in with expectations only blocks that. So I really think, you know, drop those expectations, drop that perfectionism with meditation. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being an A-star student. Well done, you've meditated like the rest of us. No, meditation is your own unique, beautiful practice. Meditation is what you make it. And meditation is your connection to source, your connection to yourself. So of course, all of our practices are gonna be different. Our relationships are gonna be different. How we see things is gonna be different. How we experience things are going to be different because that's the beauty of the human experience. But you can set yourself up with the right tools and, you know, with the right things to help support and nurture that connection and nurture that relationship. So I know I haven't really explained a lot about meditation. I've kind of explained, you know, my experiences, what led me to meditate. But there are so many benefits to meditation through relaxing you, grounding you, you know, developing your spiritual connection, absolutely. Connecting to your intuition, connecting to your angel and spirit guide team, connecting to your inner child. All of these things, you know, can absolutely be done in waking life, but you can also do it through really powerfully through meditation. So there are lots of different ways to meditate. There is your kind of more traditional meditations, like I've mentioned, which are more simple breath work, listening to your body, and that's it. And then you can have more deeply spiritual meditations like what I share on YouTube and in my courses, etc. And, you know, with the books and things, you know, where we are seeing things, there is a purpose to that meditation. And this is what is going to naturally lead into our amazing questions from all of you guys. So, I'm gonna go down the list. They may not make sense in this order, but I'm gonna go down the list anyway that they were written down. So Country Mouse UK on Instagram asked, um, they feel anxious when meditating and have intrusive thoughts. So I found, especially in those early days when meditating, that absolutely I would feel that anxiety. And I would feel that anxiety because my mind's slowing down. 
and I'm listening and I'm honoring myself. So actually that anxiety was emotions and feelings coming up that I wasn't allowing myself to feel in my waking life. I wasn't allowing or giving myself permission to explore normally. So when I would sit, you know, on the bed or on the chair on my meditation mat and meditate, I was listening, I was slowing down and that voice within me finally had the opportunity to voice how it felt. So sometimes it can be scary to sit in silence because we're not used to it. And sometimes when we're sat with our own thoughts, it's so overwhelming because we're like, oh my gosh, I can't run from this. I can't avoid this. Like I'm with myself and I can't avoid this anymore. So I definitely always think when people feel anxious when meditating, it's because the ego, the inner critic, the inner child, all the same thing, is feeling worried of like, what could come up? Oh my God, you're gonna see what's really underneath all of this. Or like, oh my God, these emotions are gonna come up now. We're addressing this. So I definitely would just reassure the inner critic, ego, inner child, just give it love and say, it's okay, don't worry. Like this is a fun practice for us. It's a self-loving practice. I've got you, I'm here for you, I love you. Just things like that are fantastic to really relax yourself deeper into that meditation, but also reassure the inner child because that's what they want. They just want that reassurance. Intrusive thoughts is distraction. The inner child is fantastic at this. (laughs) Oh my gosh, so good. Especially my inner child, so good at this of like, how do we avoid the problem? So when you're going into that meditation state of connection, of love, of connecting to source, you can't run from your own BS anymore. You can't run from the feelings and emotions that are maybe, you know, beneath the surface. The inner child wants to distract and is like, oh no, we're not addressing our inner work. Oh no, we can't dive into that. No, no, no. So I'm gonna give you the most random annoying thoughts ever. And there's so many different ways you can work with this. A lot of people, I've had so many different suggestions on this podcast over the years and you know, for myself as well that I've worked with. And I think I have two of my favorite ones which do generally work. And one of them is like imagining your thoughts like clouds and like just wiping them away, whether that's like a windscreen wiper or you're wiping them away with your hand, but just kind of like blowing them away, wiping them away with your hand and seeing them just melt and fade away. For most people that does work. For me, I didn't find that had much power, especially as I had quite a lot under the surface I didn't know about. So my inner child was very persistent and very like, oh no, hun, we ain't going there. So I found that techniques like that weren't as powerful. But before I really knew what the inner child was and what that voice and intrusive thoughts were, a great technique, and I wish I could, someone on this podcast, and I'm talking like the first six months of this podcast spoke about this. And oh my gosh, I wish I could remember who it was. I'm gonna have to go back and look now to um, remember who it was, but it was the best advice ever. And it's the most hilarious thing, but it bloody works. So she said, imagine these thoughts and meditation like a monkey, like a little baby monkey. And you're gonna put the little monkey to bed. So she said like you would visualize your thoughts, these pesky thoughts as this cheeky little monkey. And you would put this monkey in um, its crib, in a cot to bed and give it a bottle. So give it like a bottle, you give a baby and then rock it to sleep. And then once it's asleep, you get on with the meditation. And I thought at the time, this is like the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Like, what is this woman on about? I tried it and I kid you not, it worked. It was the only thing for me that actually worked. Then I learned what the inner child was, you know, many years later. 
Um, and from there, having the awareness of the inner child, obviously I did the reassurance technique. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Things that I just suggested then. So for me now, I talk to the inner child directly, but I still think the monkey in the cot is actually really funny. So um, I think it's quite a fun visual to work with. So I would definitely recommend trying it because for those really pesky intrusive thoughts, it does work a treat. But all of those things I would say is good, shall we say, coping strategies. But really, we want to dive into why those intrusive thoughts are coming up. So I would really challenge you when they do come up is to face them head on and be like, I see you. What's underneath this? What are you fearing? Talk to it. Talk to the intrusive thought and see what comes up because it will instantly dispel its power. And the one thing that is so missing in law of attraction and manifestation teachings is talking to your thoughts, is talking to those limiting beliefs, fears and intrusive thoughts. Because obviously, as we know, there's a lot of, shall we say, not great teachings out there that say, you must think positive thoughts, push down the thoughts, ignore them, swear at them, push them away. You're just making it worse. And whenever I used to do this, they got louder and louder and louder and it would bloom and drive me insane. So literally, for me, it was a case of talking to them and being like, what is going on? what do you want? <laughs> and I was quite blunt to start off with because I, I, you know, didn't really know it was the inner child at that point. Now I'm like, what's underneath this? What are you really fearing? How are you feeling? I love you. Like talk, talk to that intrusive thought because it will instantly take the power away and it won't feel anxious anymore and it won't feel scary. It will just feel neutral and you'll think, oh, okay. So this is what's underneath that intrusive thought. This is why I'm feeling this. So it's a great, great thing to do. Um, when you are really struggling to clear your mind. Because like I said, meditation is not about perfection. Now, clearing my mind of thoughts is easy, but I give myself permission to still have that thought. I give myself permission in my meditation practice of, okay, maybe I am a little bit distracted today and that's okay because I'm human. 
and I have a mind and I have 80,000 thoughts a day and that's okay. <laughs> My mind's just thinking, that's what it does. And as soon as I don't give it power, as soon as I acknowledge it for what it is and reassure and talk if I need to, and just allow myself to relax into the meditation I'm doing, I don't have that problem anymore. But again, that comes with seven years practice. Well, more than seven years practice. So I would say it does definitely feel less intense over time. It's a practice again, but I would look what's underneath those intrusive thoughts, talk to them with love. And again, just know that it's it's the resistance coming up to going within or connecting or whatever it is, it's that resistance coming up from that inner child. So I hope that helps Country Mouse. Thank you for your question. Um, another question, which I haven't written down people's names for because actually so many people ask me this question is they don't see anything. They just see black. And again, that's exactly what I saw right at the beginning, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Um, for ages and ages, again, those six to eight months, I just saw darkness. I just saw black, I saw darkness, saw nothing. Maybe a few like odd white lights every now and again, but like that was very rare. That wasn't every time, that wasn't any time anywhere near the beginning. And then like I said, just one random day, boom, saw that field. And totally unplanned, totally unforced, totally random. And from then on, I was able to have really visual meditations. But I definitely think if you are struggling, work with your third eye chakra, whether that's working with the indigo colors of the third eye chakra, whether that's doing a third eye chakra balancing meditation to balance that chakra or open that chakra if you're someone who hasn't worked with that before. You could even place an amethyst crystal on your third eye center, which is in between your brows. So you could place an amethyst crystal if you can, obviously you don't wanna put a super heavy one, but a tumblestone or a small piece of amethyst on your third eye center and meditate because you might have to do it lying down otherwise it'll fall off. But I tend to find as well, that could be really powerful for people who are struggling to open up their third eye. Again, I think I've naturally always been really connected to that. So I wouldn't say I've had to necessarily work too hard on it. But again, for those people who maybe aren't so visual or connected to that area, Amethyst crystal on the third eye when you meditate is fantastic. Work with the indigo colors, um, do a third eye balancing meditation and just again, practice. Intuition is the same as meditation. You've got to practice. You can't expect to be an incredible intuitive from day one. I don't even think I'm an incredible intuitive, you know, 14 years later after having those first intuitive hits. It comes in bouts. When I dedicate myself to that practice, it develops. If I don't, you know, it doesn't develop, it stays. It might get a bit stagnant, but it doesn't develop. So it's like any skill or any hobby that we have in life, we have to, you know, spend time with it. We have to give our energy to it. And over time, absolutely, it will develop. You will see things. But I think for anybody feeling frustrated that you are seeing darkness or just nothing, let it go. Why do you need to see something? And I think people panic that maybe it's not working if they can't see anything. Meditation still works. If you're listening to one of my, my meditations, for example, and you're not seeing the things that I'm describing, don't panic. Feel into the feelings. You might see some colors. You might just feel things. When you tap into those feelings, they are still working. The meditation is always working. It's like when you fall asleep, and that's another question. It still works. Um, meditation is always working, whether we are pros or complete newbies, it's always working. We're still gonna receive those energy codes. We're still gonna receive that healing, whatever it is. 
um, you know, it's more about your journey and experience with that meditation. So allow it to be what it needs to be. Your meditation will always, 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 always be what it needs to be. So let it, don't force it. The more you force, the more you control, the more you push, the less you're gonna see, the less connected you're gonna feel. So the more that you can relax into it, the more that you just naturally, like I did, just stuff happens. And if it does, fantastic. If not, doesn't matter. You're still enjoying that experience. You're still getting as much from it as people who can see things. It just takes time for that third eye to switch on, for that third eye to balance or, you know, for you to start seeing things and maybe you won't ever see anything and that's okay too. You're still feeling it. You're still receiving it. You're still experiencing it. So I definitely think relax. Don't panic. It takes a long time for people to see things sometimes and that's okay too. Um, another question is people who struggle to visualize. Is meditation good for people who struggle to visualize? I I don't struggle to visualize. I do in some cases. Like if you were like, Emma, sit down and visualize yourself manifesting whatever, house, book deal, whatever. I would struggle with that because then I get in my head of like, well, I don't know what that looks like. (laughs) And then I don't want to control it by it must look like this. So for me, nah, visualization is not the one for me. Writing, verbal manifesting. And I have got a video on my YouTube channel of what is your manifesting superpower. So do go and watch that because it'll explain all of these and help you identify which one you are too. And what tools and practices will help and support you. So I'll link that in the description below that video. So whilst I do think I struggle to visualize in some respects, visualization and meditation comes as easy as breathing for me now. So I think it's really interesting. And I think it all comes down to that third eye again of is it actually visualization or is it actually just the third eye? And you connecting to those higher chakras of the third eye of the crown chakra, because those are the chakras that we meditate with. That's what we connect with. That's what helps us connect with our higher self the universe, our guides. So I think it's more of a chakra thing, in my opinion, I might be completely wrong. Please someone, you know, give me some tips if you have any other experiences with this. But I would say that it's more of a chakra thing and more of a practice thing rather than you just being bad at visualization. Because some people might be really great at visualizing their desires with ease, but then struggle with, you know, seeing the things in meditation. So I I think I kind of want to say they're like two separate things. They feel like two separate things. And, you know, meditation may not be for everybody. It may not feel as easy to people. It may feel boring. It may feel like a chore and it definitely shouldn't feel like that. So I would only, you know, recommend doing this if you want to, if it feels good, you don't have to do it. Like meditation is fantastic and there's so many benefits, but you know, there's so many benefits to visualization and I don't do it. So, um, you know, it's finding those tools and methods that work for you and resonate. And it's the same with meditation. Maybe you do just want to simply meditate and sit there and tune into your breath and, you know, focus on your thoughts. Or maybe you want a really out there meditation where you're connecting to your mermaids and you're visualizing all sorts and you're, you know, here, there and everywhere and, you know, connecting to things. So everybody's going to be different. And I think it's finding a meditation practice that works for you, finding the right kind of meditations that resonate with you. And again, just 
if you want to do it, fantastic. If not, there's other ways. There's other ways to manifest. There's other ways to heal. There's other ways to connect. So I think take all that pressure off yourself because it's not needed and you don't need to have that pressure. Like meditation should be fun. Meditation should be a devotion practice to yourself. Not something that becomes a drag because then what's the point of doing that? Like that's not the spiritual journey. We don't do things that feel rubbish. We want to do those things that light us up, that raise our vibration, that feel good. So I would really think about if you are struggling to meditate or it doesn't feel good, whether actually put it down for a bit. Do you need to do it? Um, And actually visualization, I think as a whole in manifestation versus meditation is different. Um, You're tapping into different things there. Yes, you are using your third eye because when you're visualizing, you are seeing through your third eye chakra, definitely. But I feel like meditation visualization is a bit different because it's more like, it's more like connection. It's more like, oh, how's the best way I could describe this? It's more like, okay, okay, this is how it's coming to me. It may not make any sense, but this is how it's coming to me. Meditation is like a TV where you switch on the TV and you see your favorite shows on TV and it's just there. Whereas visualization with manifestation, specifically if we were like to visualize ourselves, you know, like um, on a holiday or whatever, is our desires and how we picture it. It's almost like a, oh, in my wildest dreams, what would I like? You know, it's almost like when someone's daydreaming and that little bubble appears above their head and you, you know, you kind of see the visuals. It's kind of like that. Whereas meditation is more like the TV. It's there. We're just connecting to it. We're not we're not visualizing it, we're not bringing it necessarily into fruition, although we kind of are. Um, It's more of a case of we're just tapping into that channel, which is already there and already exists kind of thing. And does that make sense? And I know some people are like, well, Emma, that's the same with manifestation. And I hear you. We are tapping into a channel. We are tapping into a frequency to bring that into our reality. But um, I I don't even know whether that made sense, but (laughs) it makes sense to me with how tapping into the visuals of meditation is it's just there it's just there we just have to remove any blocks that stop us from seeing that whereas um with visualization and manifestation it's us it's our input it's like how we want to see things if that makes sense I don't think that makes sense but I hope someone somewhere has understood that (laughs) has understood that of what I mean but you know I could be right or wrong with that but that's how I interpretate it through my own experiences and what I see with my clients when we're doing the two. Um, So the next question is falling asleep and can't concentrate. So I am terrible at meditating in the evening because I will guarantee you I will fall asleep 100%. If I meditate in the morning, I'm fine. If I meditate at lunchtime in the afternoon, I'm fine. Anything after dinner, I am out for the count and I'm going to fall asleep. And I always, it's always hilarious because I know it's going to happen. So for me, I know that my meditation practice has to happen in the afternoon or in the morning. And that's a non-negotiable. Otherwise, it's not going to get done. And I'm going to have to do it all over again because I fell asleep. Now, there are some exemptions from that because I have done meditations in the afternoon before and I have just fallen asleep out of nowhere, wasn't tired before, I fall asleep 
And I'm like, oh my God, I fell asleep. I wasn't even tired. And sometimes when we do that, it's because we are controlling too much or forcing too much or too rigid. So our bodies send us to sleep so that we can fully receive that meditation. And I wake up and I feel a whole ton different. So sometimes our bodies will literally force us to go to sleep so that we can fully receive that meditation or sound bath or whatever we're doing. Um, so that definitely can happen. But I think it's important to witness if you're meditating at the wrong time of day for yourself, like, you know, I am gonna fall asleep in the evening regardless of whether it's an easy or intricate meditation that's trying to put me to sleep. I am just gonna fall asleep. So I witness that that is me and my energy levels rather than in the afternoon where sometimes I generally just am out and I need to be out to receive that meditation. So look at what times you're meditating, look at what times you are best at meditating. Um, some meditations don't need your, shall we say, active participation, but a lot of the meditations that I do kind of does because you're doing stuff in them. But again, if you do fall asleep, don't panic. It's still working. It's You still received all the good stuff. If you want to do it again, you can just to like seal it in and, you know, do the visuals. But I think again, just trust that you are receiving that. Trust even if you're falling asleep, even if you are meditating at a good time in the day, that it's happening for a reason with that. Um, and I've touched upon this already, but I am just gonna go a bit deeper with this. So finding your meditation um, superpower. So I've spoken about your manifesting superpower, but your meditation superpower. So again, are you a visual meditator? Or actually, maybe you're not, and that's okay. Maybe you're a really audio meditator who like thrives off the audio of things, um, and you don't actually need to see anything. Um, maybe you're someone who really thrives from meditations where you're speaking or repeating affirmations after people, for example. Um, I always put a bit of everything in my meditations, bit of audio, bit of visual, bit of like speaking affirmations, just so it keeps it interactive and, you know, we're really embodying through, you know, multiple channels. So it could be that you just need to find that right type of meditation for you. Um, I think, you know, obviously I do kind of like one style of meditation, but meditation can really be any sort of practice. I think most people associate meditation with, you know, sat on the floor, cross-legged, hands facing up, meditate like on the knees, like deep breaths in, seeing stuff, eyes closed. And yeah, that definitely is meditation. But sometimes I find that folding my laundry and being really intentional and smelling it is a form of meditation in itself. Sometimes sat out in nature, watching the world go by is a form of meditation for me. Sometimes watching Luna sleep, <laughs> this is my dog by the way, is a form of meditation for me. So, um, and Jordan Bark, who came on the podcast spoke about this actually, that meditation can be and look like many things. It doesn't just have to be how I described it, you know, first of all, it can look like eyes open, witnessing the world, but actually meditation is what we make it. Meditation can happen at any time. And meditation is a practice that we form with ourselves and with the divine. So um, again, I think it's finding those meditation styles that work for you and really resonate with you and don't control it, don't force it. 
Um, so the final question, because I've gone over the benefits of meditation already in the beginning, so help myself out there a little bit, um, instead of making this podcast really, really long, is people feeling guilty for falling asleep. Definitely do not feel guilty. I've already explained like why that can genuinely happen sometimes. So for me, I just trust that my body knows what it's doing. I trust that I've received whatever I've needed to receive from that meditation. And sometimes I do go back and do them again. I might go back to it in a week or two weeks time and think, okay, let's see what I get from it this time. Let's see if I can stay awake this time or I feel more interactive with it. So drop the guilt, drop the shame because you don't need to carry that. Like the whole point of meditation is to feel good and to receive and to connect, right? So allow the meditation to be what it needs to be for you. Every meditation will be different. You know, I don't go into my meditation practice expecting the same results every time or expecting the same feelings or anything. Like everything's always different. It's I guess it's like doing your makeup every day. You're never gonna be able to get your makeup looking exactly the way you did the day before. It's always gonna look a little bit different, but actually what you get from that, I know that's a really random example there, but what you get from that is different every time. Do you know what I mean? So you're always developing, experiencing different things in different seasons of our lives. We need different things. Um, sometimes we might feel really spiritual and really connected and having all kinds of trippy experiences with all sorts of our elementals and guides and angels. And sometimes we might just want to sit and sit with our thoughts, you know, every season will deliver something different for us in terms of what we need, what we connect with, what we resonate with. And meditation is like a dance, I would say, of I don't think my meditation practice has ever stayed the same over those 14 years. As like I said, times where I put it down completely. Obviously for me, a meditation is daily ritual for me. Um, I tend to do um, energetic protection as a non-negotiable meditation every single day. I will connect, ground in, connect to myself for the day, set a few intentions, and then do my energy protection. So that is what my daily meditation practice looks like. And then I'll do some more full-on meditations, whether that's in like a full moon circle, or I'm doing a workshop and someone's doing a meditation, you know, I'll do that kind of thing. So my meditation practice really does vary. <laughs> there's no rules, there's no like expectations from me, but definitely every day that energy protection meditation is a must. So I will link that down below for you as well if you want to explore that and give that one a try. But I have got so many different meditations all for free on my YouTube. So I will link that playlist below so you can go and have a look and try some out, see which ones fit, see which ones don't resonate, try things. You know, the only way you find out what works for you is by trying, right? So you've got to go out and try. Um, and of course my books all have meditation playlists with them as well, which you can purchase from my shop website in a little bundle. Um, I have tons of meditations. If you're in the manifestation membership, you get a new one every month. There's a whole catalog of them. My courses have them in. So basically if you're hanging around for my work, you're going to probably end up doing some of my meditations anyway, but YouTube's a great place to start because they're all free. So and I'm doing bonus episodes here on this podcast every single month. So we have had two subliminals so far. Um, we're gonna have a meditation this month. So you'll even find some bonus meditation episodes up on this podcast too over time. But I really hope this has helped answer some questions for you um, and helps you 
yeah, dive deeper into the topic of meditation. Um, maybe it's answered some questions that you had for yourself. Maybe it's helped take the weight off your shoulders or pressure with your meditation practice. But ultimately, have fun. Have fun, make it your own practice, and it can be so flipping beautiful. So let it, like, don't go in with expectations. Don't go in with, I must see everything Emma's mentioned. No, just go in and be you. Go in and let whatever needs to come to you, come to you. Um, It is a practice, build it up over time, be consistent with it. The more energy you put towards it over time, you will see those results, you will reap those rewards like with any practice. So just have fun, have fun with it, see where it leads you, see where the path takes you um, and try different forms of meditating so you can see which ones resonate with you the most and you feel the most shifts from. But I would actually love to hear your thoughts on meditation. Have you got any other questions? Because I'm also going to be doing a YouTube um, series of this as well, a two-part video on everything you need to know about meditation. So I'm going to be asking more of your questions. So I'm going to be featuring your questions. Um, So if you do have any other questions from this podcast episode, give me a message at I am Emma Mumford on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere, or email me because I will absolutely feature your questions because I want to dive deeper into this topic on YouTube too. Um, or post it in the Law of Attraction support group on Facebook as well um, because I take a lot of your questions from there too. But thank you so much, gorgeous souls, for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because we'd love, love to see you again soon. Don't forget, you can also join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where you can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things Law of Attraction and spirituality. I hope you have a fabulous week, whatever you are up to, and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode, which will be next week. Lots of love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>